Hi, my name is Sherry Doherty, and I'm a 54-year-old lady in red, in act two of my career and living my best life. My perspective on life and behaviors have been governed by who I was as a child, who I became, and who I am still striving to be. People my age are beautiful, bold, confident, and full of wisdom. And truly, the encore of the story of your life is still when the best songs are yet to be sung. My mission in this podcast is to shine the spotlight on people like me, have real conversations about reinvention stories, and inspire you to continue to follow your dreams regardless of your age. I'm doing it for Daisy. Who are you doing it for? Good day and welcome to today's episode of the Encore podcast. Today we're coming to you from on location at the Aussie Bell Fashions Boutique and I'm speaking with the owner and operator Kim Edgington. Welcome to the show Kim. Hi Sherry. I am very excited to be here because for one it's exciting for us to be remote and we will be showcasing to our listeners the beautiful products and the beautiful experience they have when they come and shop at your boutique. Thank you, Cherry. But before we do that, I would like to know a little bit more about Kim. So as you know, we typically start with who you were, where you got to, what you're doing today and why, and all of that good stuff. So if you can share with us your backstory, it would be greatly appreciated. What was your childhood like and where did you grow up and anything you'd like to share a little bit about who made you who you are today? Sure. So welcome to the store. I'm happy that we could do this here today. I'm from Sudbury. Ontario. Grew up there. I'm French, French-Canadian. Didn't speak English until I was 10. Wow. So went to French schools and the only reason I started to speak English really was because we moved to Alberta for a few months. So I had to learn how to speak English in an awful hurry. I was eight years old. You know, a little redhead with little short hair and couldn't speak any English. It was kind of a difficult time. I remember it. So I, I learned English in an awful hurry because I, I didn't bet. have any French schools in Alberta in Pincher Creek, Alberta. Anyway, so grew up in Sudbury, moved away, got married very young uh, to my first husband and had two children uh, in a remote place called Dubreville, which is northern Ontario. Uh, my first husband was a school teacher and he was just coming out of teacher's college and we moved to Toronto, but really couldn't afford to live there at the time because on his salary, and I was going to school, I went to York University. And that was not um, financially easy for us to do as a young couple. So we moved to Dubreuilville. It's a little town where the Dubreuil brothers own the town, and it's all logging. So everybody lives in 60-foot trailers. Okay. And it was very cold because it's north of Wawa in the bush, and it was a really unusual thing because you used to have to stop at the highway. You were on the highway going across to Saskatchewan and Manitoba and all of out west. There was a gate and there was a person at the gate and you had to explain why you were going to be in this little town of Dubreuilville, what your business was because the town was owned by the Dubreuils. And so the town had an arena, a school, a store, a liquor store, and like an, an area where there were dances and things. So we lived there two years and I got pregnant twice and had two babies there. Well, there's nothing else to do. <laughs> there wasn't much else to do. <laughs> yeah. And then moved back to Toronto and since then divorced that husband okay. and married my Australian husband 32 years ago. Aww. And really my career in sales, because I've been in sales and sales management all my life, started in Toronto. At the time, I was working for a 
toy company, I had been hired by somebody to come into the business and write a manual on how things worked in the business. I was very young. Okay. I was 27. And when I came in for my first day of work and I asked for the gentleman who was the managing director at the time, he'd been fired. Oh, boy. <laughs> so there I was going, uh, he just hired me last week to do this manual that nobody knew about. So they didn't know what to do with me. And I was working at Giftcraft and Giftcraft is still around. It is the largest wholesale gift company in Canada. They're based out of Toronto. And so they placed me in all kinds of different jobs. They were very nice. They were a family owned company, but they did get rid of this guy who was not part of the family. For part of that time, I was writing script on how to sell things on TV. Like we're talking, this was, you know, 35 years ago. You know, so there would be a statue and I would describe it. Like the home shopping like a, network? Like a home shopping network cool. where the people would say this soaring eagle with, you know, talent, blah, blah, blah. I was doing that. I was writing script. So I had never been in sales. So the then sales manager pulled me across and he said, so if you need to keep working here, you're going to have to go into sales. And I said, oh my God, I've never done sales and I don't like people. <laughs> I can't do sales. He said, well, you're going to have to figure it out because there is no other opportunity for you here. Right. And so I pulled up my bootstrings and went out on the road and sold, it was gifts and toys. So at the time, like 35 years ago, if you remember the time, Hallmark stores were everywhere right. and gift stores were everywhere. And it was a feasible business to go and have that territory. And I worked Toronto and I became a top salesperson, a million dollar rep within two years and uh, loved it after I got over myself. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> and learned a lot, actually, being, you know, and the other thing is I was a single mother, so you learn a lot because you have to. Yeah. You need to make ends meet. So the gentleman that I worked for who really kind of kicked me out and said, you better do something, really became my mentor. He was amazing. And so I worked there for five years doing that. Met Terry in the interim. We met in a bar called Tramps. That's hilarious. It is hilarious. That might be a different episode. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Terry's Australian. So again, you know, 33 years ago, that was a really big deal in Canada because of Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> and you um, your very own. Yes. And he was here on a working visa. So we met and we were married seven months later. But the gentleman who was really my mentor, he and I talk about this. You know, some people use that word and I don't think they really understand it unless they've experienced someone who really is a guide to your soul. And this man was in terms of business. He was encouraging and yet he didn't he didn't mollycoddle. He was like, you know, get your act together. And oh, yes, this was a good job. He just made a difference in my career that he probably doesn't even know that he did. He was English and he and his wife and his family moved back to England because there was illness, I think, on her side of the family with her parents. And he went and worked for Hallmark Cards in England. They're based in Birmingham. Interesting. And when Terry and I got together, Terry being Australian, here on a working visa, this is a very long story. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, he had to leave the country to apply to be in the country. Okay. So we got married and we left. And I called John and he said, when can you start work? Great. So I went to England with a job at Hallmark Cards. Neat. Selling the same products I had sold in Canada because it was a line from the U.S. Uh, we had some difficulty getting Terry into the country because of the timing and 
for various other reasons, it takes a long time to get into the country. Yeah. And so we moved to Australia. Oh, cool. And so when we moved to Australia, I had a certain amount of set skills with this particular line of toys and gifts that was from the States because I had worked in Canada with it. I had worked in England with it, and I had been management in England. So when I went to, the, to Australia in Melbourne, where Terry was from and where we settled in for 10 years, I went to the suppliers who were looking at those lines in Australia and said to them, I've worked with those products for, at that time, I guess it had been about eight years. So I had a built-in ability with the product already. Right. So I became the manager for Australia for a toy company who brought in this toy and gift line and managed that and sales staff all across Australia. Good for you. That's very yes. resourceful. It was. It was great. And this, I can tell you that was the best job I ever had. I mean, I'm enjoying what I'm doing now. <laughs> but that was incredible. I traveled to Hong Kong. I traveled to New York. I traveled to LA. I did all the buying for the company. So I would go to all the trade fairs and do all the buying for toys and gifts and then also handle the major accounts. So I would see toys before they hit. So, you know, the Furby whole experience that some people would remember. I saw Furbies before anybody. Well, our listeners would remember. Yes. And <laughs> Furbies were the biggest thing. And I remember seeing them in New York when they were presenting Furbies and calling the owner of the company in Australia and saying, I've just found the biggest toy ever. And sure enough, you know, it absolutely was. Good for you. But I have very fond memories of that whole time in that career. So I did that for a long time. Excellent. Yeah. And then how did you find yourself back in Canada? So really, again, we're talking about crossroads and things happen in someone's life. So I was traveling backwards and forwards to Canada, to North America, really through business because I was blessed uh, with this job. So I would get here a lot. But 9-11 happened. Oh, boy. And I was in Australia. And it was the first time that I felt like I can't get home and I can't get home to family. And it freaked me out. Yeah. Because it had never occurred to me. Also, when you're young, you think you're invincible. And I think that was a reckoning. And it, nobody could fly in the U, over the U.S. So I couldn't get to Canada. Right. And it just changed my perspective. And so I had been lonely, too, for family, mm -hmm. because I, although my family did come visit, it's not the same. It's still very far away. Right. I love Australia. I'm an Australian citizen. I love it. It's a beautiful country. If anybody can get there, they should. It is bigger than the U.S., so plan accordingly. So we decided to come back. Took me, I say me, because I was the sponsor. Took us a year to get Terry into the country. There's no such thing as easy getting people into the country easily in Canada. Right. In fact, that year, the only people that were getting into Canada easily were potato farmers and strippers and dance instructors. So um, Terry's application did not include any of those things. Any of those things <laughs> weirdly enough. Interesting. But that year, if you were any of those things, you were getting in within a couple of months. Okay. And the rest of us, Terry had to go through every test imaginable. Had he been sick, I really don't even think he would have been allowed in the country. And then as a sponsor, you have to sponsor someone for two years, so you have to have a certain amount of money, right? even if you're a Canadian citizen. So it was, it was a very uh, interesting time. Right. So, but we did come back. We moved back to Sudbury, where I was from, and you know I was coming back for family, so it made sense. 
and uh, didn't know what I was going to do with myself because I had been in management for the longest time and I had worked at wholesale and really loved wholesale. And of course, there's no wholesale businesses in Sudbury. Right. It's a small town. And so decided that I would go back into sale. Well, actually, I had always wanted to be a lawyer. Okay. You know, when you're growing up and you always wanted to be something, yeah. I wanted to be a lawyer. Well, and a ballerina, but mm. you know. I wanted to be a real estate agent, ironically. <laughs> oh, good, good for, for you. <laughs> well, Funny I, story. Ever since I saw the mother on Two and a Half Men, I liked the way that woman looked. She was a realtor. Yes. She looked like she had it together, and she made some decent money, and I wondered what that lady did as a child, and I found out, now I do it. Well, that's fantastic. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> so anyway, I came back to Canada not knowing what I was going to do, so I took a year, and I went back to school, and I became a paralegal and worked for a law firm for eight months. He's now our lawyer and hated that. Okay. I divorced people. It right. was awful. Okay. And it certainly did not sit within my wheelhouse because I was trying to market his business because I'm a salesperson. That's what you did. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, he did look at me and say, we've got enough business here, Kim. You can stop trying to market this business. <laughs> so anyway, I uh, then went into radio sales. So I sold radio advertising for 10 years. Wow, you've had a long and windy career. I have. It's That's always great. The, I mean, the best part of it is it's always sales. And right. it's it's interesting to sell different products. Selling advertising was very good for me. It was a challenge. You're selling air, you're selling concepts, you're not selling products. Yeah. Selling products is easier because it's you can touch it, you can smell it, you can feel it, you can have an emotional attachment to it. Selling radio advertising was selling a concept and selling marketing, which really, it actually fed me f because I wasn't in management anymore. And it was a step back, I felt. But it was interesting to develop the skills that you need to build marketing plans for other people. Right. And to build marketing strategies. And of course, I was also doing it at the end. I was doing it when everybody was also advertising on the internet. So again, you know, that's just five years ago. Right. That was an uphill Eight battle. years ago where people didn't believe in it. Where now, you know, it's not a conversation anymore. It's right. just part of everybody's plan. So I excelled at that. So that was very good too. And then we decided we were going to, we knew we were never going to live in Sudbury forever just because... We wanted to be closer to water. We had a boat and we wanted to be closer to my grandchildren. I have one in Montreal. Now the other two are in Hamilton. They weren't at the time, but it just got us closer. And we also knew we didn't want to retire in Sudbury. Right. So we literally just drove into Kingston and thought it was pretty, not impulsive whatsoever. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and bought a house. And rented it out for a few years thinking we would live in it when we came here, but that also changed. But so when I decided, oh, and you know what? You had asked about what changed. Right. I can tell you radio was very good to me. Mm -hmm. I made a lot of money in mm -hmm. radio. I really did. I was succeeding and it was a very interesting time. But at the end, and those people who work in industry now might know about the product called Salesforce. Oh, I do as well from my prior industry. Right. Mm -hmm. So when Salesforce came in, and I think it's important to tell people about this, yep. Salesforce is awful. Funny, I was going to say not a fan, and then I thought, should I say that? But I'm glad you said oh, it. Oh, yeah, I don't care. I'm not a fan. I'm not going back to corporate. Mm -hmm. Salesforce is awful. And <laughs> I was always the top salesperson everywhere I went. Right. And I didn't do that by sitting in 
behind a computer telling you that today I called Joyce and, and Jerry and Larry and I sold them this or didn't sell them that or that I was going that I was 40% towards selling them this or selling them that. That's not how I became a top salesperson. Right. You are not a paid monkey. Mm -hmm. A salesperson is a person who develops relationships, who has the ability to think outside the box, who can present things of interest to someone so that it piques their interest enough to consider your you and whatever you're offering. But it's certainly not sitting in front of a computer. And Salesforce dictates that you sit in front of your computer every day for a couple of hours giving some accountant at the top some idea of what next June might look like. Right. Well, to tell you quite honestly, if my past history doesn't do that as your top salesperson, you're not doing your job. Right. I want to give you a quick cutaway. Just this is such a weird coincidence. I was almost in a plane crash. I was on a plane that set on fire. On my way home from Nashville, where I had been at a Salesforce training conference. Oh, my goodness. And so just to put Jerry on top of that, I was taken away from my primary responsibilities as a leader in my organization to go away from my job for a week to learn how to be a Salesforce administrator. Oh, my goodness. If you could see me, I'm rolling my eyes. And then almost died in a plane crash on the way home because I had been away at said Salesforce.com training. Hmm. Not a fan. Not a fan. <laughs> it destroys any kind of true sales ability in a person. And so I bucked it. Okay. I worked for Rogers. Yeah. Rogers is a big corporation. Yeah. This is what they thought the future is. Right. And I did not do what they asked, but then the attention started growing on the people who weren't doing it. Right. Although my numbers were higher than anybody else, right. that didn't seem to matter. And so when I realized that it would not work anymore, that I would have to comply, I said no. Good for you. You just said no. I said no. Good And for it you. was a big financial decision mm -hmm. because I was very well paid, but I also could not imagine a future that looked like that. Good for you. And so coming to Kingston, there is an affiliate here, a Rogers radio station. They have yep. a couple of radio stations here. I could have easily applied, especially with how well I've done. Mm -hmm. But I was not going to work with Salesforce again. And I also knew I was too young to retire. And working for myself, after you realize that those trappings, if you will, I think you suddenly think, oh, I need to work for myself for a little bit. Yes because you do not want to be put into that pigeonhole. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I will do everything in my power to continue to be self-employed for the remainder of my career lifetime. I also could have ran down the street to another corporate job and done something similar and do not and did not want to do that. So I am with you 100%. My also funny thought is, I guess for your customer database for Aussie Bell Fashions, you don't use Salesforce. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do not. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> I do not. So tell us about the startup for Aussie Bell Fashions. Where did that come from? So again, I left my day job and I knew we were moving here. So I figured I certainly did not want to not work. I love working. I'm a workaholic and quite happy about it. So I thought, what can I do? And I thought, well, I like clothes, which is, I know, sounds silly, but mm -hmm. a lot of my decisions in my life have been sillier and have worked out. Right. 
So I thought I could sell clothes. And so I decided to start selling clothes. So I started the business in Sudbury for a month. Okay. Literally did a fashion show in my house. Okay. With my friends. Good for you. And brought some clothes in. And then when we moved here, set up a room and, you know, got suppliers and started a business. I thought I could do it part-time, which is very naive <laughs> because any business is not part-time. And especially with the kind of ambition that, and it's not even ambition to succeed. It's just personal gratification yep. and personal pride yep. that drives me. So it is a wonderful business, and now we'll be celebrating six years. It is different to other retail stores, as in it's in my house. Other than that, it's exactly like any other retail store. I do appointments only for a couple of reasons. I offer a personalized service. When people come in, I let them have a look around. They tell me what colors they love. They tell me what size they are. They what their preferences are. And because I know the stock and because I have so much, I can literally pull 10 items for you, of which five you're probably going to love because I've been listening to what it is you want. Right. And people enjoy the experience of the personalized service. So sometimes people don't understand why I'm doing appointments. That's because I'm a one-man show. So between, you know, I do lots of video, so I have to film that video, fulfill orders. I ship all over Canada. I now have a website. The appointments are there so that I can give you all the attention you need to make sure that you're happy because I'm not curing brain cancer, but I'm giving women a safe space to come in. And most come in, take all their clothes off, run around. You know, there's, there is no shame, and I am just here to help you feel good about yourself. Absolutely. And I think I do that. I think, I think a lot of people come back because they enjoy that experience. Absolutely. Well, the reason that we met, and I remember the first time I met you, we connected on the fact that we are very focused on reminding people over the age of 50 that they are beautiful and vibrant and that there are places for them to shop and feel beautiful. And I know as a woman our age... It's a little bit of a struggle to find appropriate clothing. So I don't shop at Le Chateau anymore or Forever 21 because I'm not 21. And I don't sit fit into the teeny weeny Forever 21 sizes and Le Chateau sizes. But I'm not also quite ready for some of the senior stores. I consider myself to be pretty funky and pretty stylish still. And it's difficult because you either find yourself in very old people stores or very young people stores. And when we met, it was an instant connection because we were basically saying, yeah, we're still awesome. We still look beautiful. So what? We're 50. There needs to be a space for us. And we are both advocates for people in our generation and our age group. And that was why we honestly instantly became friends. And we've been friends and known each other and done some business and things for many years now. As a customer as well, I can tell you it is a great shopping experience. So I know that I can come in here. There's going to be something that looks right, fits right. It's going to be for me or maybe a gift that I'm purchasing. And I do get your undivided attention. And I love that I'm not sharing that with anyone else. In a traditional store, there's sometimes 10 people and you might get a nod from the sales clerk. But you get the personal Kim experience when you come here. Absolutely. And so I do appreciate that. And I love that this is a service that you offer. Tell us 
what your vision is for the business and for yourself in the next, say, five to 10 years? Where do you think Kim's going? I'm not sure. <laughs> I know that in this business, I'm already buying now for next summer. So okay. I've already bought fall. It's put to bed. So you're always thinking, you know, 12 months ahead. And I'm always excited by what's happening next. I think I see myself doing this for a while. I really do. Could I, you know, eventually have only jewelry and only bags and create a smaller business? Maybe, but I don't know. I love, I love the clothes so much. That's great. I can tell you're glowing. Yes, I love, love, love the clothes. I really love what I'm doing. So I can't actually answer you. I okay. think that I am enjoying what I'm doing. And as long as people are embracing it, I think I will be here okay. you know, to help them. I think we missed touching on it. How old are you? I'm 62. Okay, yeah. 62. No plans of slowing down. No. You still have a twinkle in your eye when you yeah. talk about your business, your life, and actually your husband. I really love that. You're very cute when you talk about <laughs> Terry. You do have a twinkle in your eye, so that's beautiful to see after that many years of marriage. I sincerely appreciate that. And, you know, I'm just like you. I have no plans of slowing down. I plan to work well until I can't, pretty much. I don't know when that'll be, but I will still be doing it, and I can tell that you will as well. Absolutely. If people wanted to connect with you, how would they reach out? Yes, absolutely. They can reach me by phone or on Facebook. I have all my details. I do have a website, aussiebellfashions.com. My Facebook page is Aussie Bell Fashions. And I am, as I said, open by appointment. So you can reach out 705-618-5685 is my cell number. And you know, have a look. I do video, which has been very successful. It helps people see the clothes, put it on when I can, and it gives people information that they can't get anywhere else on any other website about how things fit, how things look, you know, fabric content. So the videos are somewhere I would suggest people start. So go to my Facebook page and have a look at video or even on my website. There's always a couple of videos, but right. there's lots of ways to connect. Okay. We'll make sure that that all gets included in the show notes. I highly encourage our listeners to visit Kim and visit your beautiful boutique. This is exactly clothing for ladies like us. I think it would be wonderful if people could share this. And if you are interested, interested I know that Kim would love to visit with you we're going to wrap that up so I can do some shopping thanks for being with us today. thanks Kim. Sherry I appreciate it 